The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. Let's go, baby! Are you ready for a break? Yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Wednesday, December 27th, 2017, season 13, episode number 97. Welcome to another edition of The Break. We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star, back in studio following Christmas, and uh, ready to talk a little bit of Cowboys football. How's everybody doing this morning? Well, good. Thanks, Derek. <laughs> good. Good, good. Um, it's we we have not been on the air since the game on uh, Sunday, when the Cowboys lost twenty one twenty. I'm sorry, twenty one twelve, um, and are now officially eliminated from playoff contention. Have one more game left though this week um, against the Philadelphia Eagles. So I'm sure Dave can give us a scouting report on the Eagles in about two minutes. Yeah, sure. Um, but I do think uh, because we haven't been on the air, I do think we should talk a little bit about that game. Um, and some of the things that came out of that game. And then we'll take a more a, a bigger picture look at not just how the Cowboys are going to enter this final week, uh, but more so, you know, what does it mean for the future? Are there guys that maybe should play? Are there guys that maybe shouldn't play uh, because of the fact that it's the final game and it really has no, no, uh, no real impact on this season, um, unless, of course, getting to 9-7 and seven versus 8-8 eight and eight somehow matters, uh, which maybe to the coach and, and to the team it does. Uh, but let's talk first about that game. Um, I just want to open it up first to get just some general thoughts on why you thought the Cowboys lost. Uh, Nick, let's start with you. You have that pondering look. What do you think? I know you, you've written probably a couple different stories about this at this point, so I'm sure you have some pretty, pretty, punch, pretty, uh, pretty good thoughts here. Well, I um, I thought that this was worse than the Rams game of that they should have won. You know, I mean, I understand that the Rams are a good team, but the Cowboys should have won that game, um, and they should have won this one, in my opinion. They were better than than uh, that team, uh, but they 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 were out coached in the game. I guess you could say that because they they just, as I wrote, they just got too cute. They got too cute down there, and and you know, when eighty five thousand people are yelling for Zeke, and you don't give them the ball, that's dumb. That's dumb. You've been waiting for six weeks to get this guy the ball, and he's finally down there. And you just saw last week against Oakland that they couldn't get in there, and they had to settle for a field goal and almost lost in the game. You give the ball to Zeke, who they hadn't stopped all game. That That's inexcusable. And to do it twice in a row like that, it's ridiculous. Amber. I'm still confused. I, I, <laughs> I mean, I keep trying to figure it out, and I just can't. And – they talk about they pride themselves about their running game, and then they get the one guy that they've been waiting for. And we've seen all season long how good the running game works compared to the passing game. Why let Dak throw the ball or run with the ball? Is he your running back? No, like give it to the running back. And I don't know. I just cannot comprehend why they made the decisions that they did. Um, just really awful execution, like across the board. You can say that, I mean, bad execution by the coaching staff, play calling down by the goal line, bad execution by the quarterback, some of the most inaccurate, poorly, you know, poor, poorest decisions of his season. No doubt about that. The pick six comes to mind. Uh, Des Bryant getting stripped on routine catches and letting 
not easy passes, but catchable balls bounce off your hands. Um, I mean, I, I thought the game plan was there. Bad execution by your running back and blitz pickup, all that type of stuff. I mean, he had a decent day running the ball, but all that other stuff that we give him credit for was not there. And you can attribute that to the, the six-week layoff if you want. Um, but it just wasn't there. And I, I really thought the game plan was not terrible for the most part. I mean, they leaned on Zeke early. It opened up some other things for him. All that other, all that stuff we like to complain about. I mean, Terrence Williams had 50 yards receiving. They got him involved. They got Jason Witten involved. He was huge as that, you know, easy outlet pass. You think about it, he he set them up to have that first down on the three-yard line. I mean, they were doing the stuff that you want to see them do. I think the Seahawks did a good job of, of mitigating the play action and the, the boot action stuff just because their pass rush is capable of doing that. But considering you lost Tyron Smith on the third play of that game, I thought the game plan was not bad. I mean, it, it moved them down toward the, the red zone multiple times, and they just blew it. Like, nobody on that team, uh, the defense, I I mean, we you can you can nitpick some problems there, but I thought the defense played a pretty damn good game, all things considered. But 136 total yards, I think it was, they gave up? Yep. More, more penalty yards than offensive yards. Amazing. All three of their touchdowns came off of takeaways, and two of them were direct results of takeaways. Uh, so players, coaches, everybody involved, mainly on the offensive side of the ball, just like I said, like I thought the plan was in place and they just did not execute across the board. Nobody. Yeah. I, and if you go back and look at the game, particularly in the first half, there were drives where their ability to run the ball, I mean, it, really Seattle had no answer for Ezekiel. By the time they got to their third series, let me tell you some of the runs he had. Started off with a five-yard run, then six-yard run, then six-yard run, then five-yard run, then four-yard run, then five-yard run, two-yard run. Then the next series, nine-yard run, four-yard run, six-yard run. I mean, it was like the Cowboys were consistently moving the ball, uh, running the ball. And and then after that six-yard run, Rod Smith comes in and finishes the rest of the series. They end up in a field goal on that one as well. It was just, to me, there were just moments in that game where there were things that just didn't make sense. You got a hot back in there, you put Rod Smith in there. You got a situation where you're running the ball effectively, and then you get down into the red zone and you decide you're going to pass. Everything suggested that the more they ran the ball, the more effective they were being running the ball, and they took the running game away from themselves rather than forcing Seattle at some point to say, we're going to have to do something different in order to stop this run and then open up other things they just literally said hey we just we're going to concede the run to some degree you know what's funny i'm taking it back but i remember back like going back to like 2013 when scott linehan was with the lions we we would have conversations here that's like well linehan gets megatron the ball like that's his thing and he does it like megatron will have 18 targets and 15 catches in a game why don't we do that why don't and so Scott Linehan got a ton of credit for that from afar. And now that we're here, I mean, he's been the offensive coordinator here for four years. Like, it's not like, again, you know, Nick said they got too cute. Like, they outsmart themselves. Like, they just, like, it's like they're convinced that just doing the, the obvious thing can't work. It's like, well, this is the NFL. Like, why don't you make somebody prove that it won't work? Right. You know what I mean? Like, it never seems like they want to do that. Like, they're always – they're trying to think a step ahead of the defense, but a lot of times I feel like they don't need to. I think that second down call down on the goal line is probably – will go down as the worst play of the year. I mean, when you, not not just not giving it to Zeke. On first down, you tried to throw it, and, and Beasley's 
open over the middle, we see it. The people on TV see it because, you know, the cameras are high and we're high. But when you're down there low and, like, you bring the smallest guy over the over the middle and you can't see him, and then that's your play. And then on second down, though, after you haven't given it to Zeke on first down, you roll to the right. Witten, as good as he's been, he's he's not a – He's not a great blocker on the move, especially when you're trying to block Michael Bennett. You've got two guys in the route, Terrence Williams and Cole Beasley, trying to get open in a small amount of space. You've got Dak running on the move like that. I mean, nothing about that play is is good. Those guys aren't going to get open. Witten's not going to make that block. And you're going away from Zeke and Dez. You're two guys that can make plays. That Did I say that was a stupid play? <laughs> I, I mean, bit. and and I I tweeted this during the game is like I I know, you know Jason Garrett or Scott Linehan's response to that would be that it's really hard to run the ball in a situation like that where an NFL defense knows that's what's going to come. But like, uh, we did that for no, a reason. I, I mean, it I get that it's true. It is hard to do that, but that's supposed to be what this team does better than anybody else, even when they know it. That's what. Yeah, that's why you pay your center fifty-five million. That's why your guard's gonna set the record for what a guard makes and that's why you draft a running back in the top five like where's the logic i get it i get that it's hard to do you're supposed to be able to do it anyway right and to just just assume that you can't do it when you have all those pieces in place doesn't make sense to me and it's kind of insulting to the personnel that you've put together that you don't think they can handle that and the fact that they would had so many series where they did run it effectively over and over and over again yeah to me is why you get to first and goal Pound it in, like especially first and goal. What were they? First and goal at the five, I think. Uh, first and goal three. at the three. First and goal in the three. If I get a yard every down, I'm gonna get in the end zone before fourth down. I right. Re- so I, I'm like, pound it in and just see what happens. You have this is why you've been waiting for your running back to come back is because you feel like he's the best or among the best in the NFL. Your offensive line is the best or among the best in the offensive line. You just said how much money you spent on your guard. I mean, how much money you spent on your center, how much money you're about about to spend on your guard. Run right behind those two big guys and see what you can get. Between your linebacker quarterback and your warhorse running back, running behind those guys, like I just refuse to believe that they right. couldn't pull that off. Even linebacker, if, fullback. I know. Him too. <laughs> I refuse to. Did you see what I thought about you last night? Did you see what Kansas State did in their bowl game? No. Yeah. They, do. they got down on the goal line. Yes. They put, those three guys? They put their jumbo line on the yes. line. They put their quarterback right under them, and then they lined like, I don't even think they were offensive players. No. They lined like three linebackers up behind the quarterback. Quarterback sneaks it, and these just big dudes just smash right into him and just pushed him into Kinda the end zone. Me. It was genius, I thought. I was like, well, why just, don't more people do this? Just go up and gingerly get on him and then push. Uh, don't no. run into him. Like, Nick is always like, smash into no. him. I'm like, smash I don't him right like in the back. Smash my quarterback. Get that big, get him into the end zone, however you got to do it. I And again, you're yeah. acting like a quarterback's going to have back problems around here <laughs> yeah maybe i'm gun shy i don't know maybe um so so did, did you ever do you guys ever hear any reason any rationale as to why maybe they went away from the run a little bit more than they should have was that something i'm sure it was asked yeah it was Coach asked and he to, said he said well you know it's easy to make that call now and he was actually pressed in the press conference by by him re- reporter yeah he said no it was pretty easy at the time too I mean, like, no. wow, <laughs> really? It, yeah. Well, then he came, he came back later and, and just wrote, Oh, I saw that. Jason's got to go. Yeah. I saw that. I That's, saw that. I, and I don't, he was asked about it there. He was asked, I mean, but 
all you know, throughout the last five years when a question like that is asked, like you don't get a satisfactory answer. It's something like those calls are easy in hindsight, or we just felt like that was the best, you know, position to put our team in at the time. Like, he's not, you know, he's not going to throw his offensive coordinator under the bus. And, and right. I heard a lot of people say that, you know, Scott Linehan, it's time for him to go, whatever. And you know what? Maybe it is. But I know this as a head coach. You can this guy. He can make this call, this call, this call. He has the freedom to make the call. But when you get down there, you say, "Scott, run the football." I don't care if you run Zeke left, yeah, run him right, right. Sp- right. Give the ball to twenty-one. Put it in his stomach, and we'll see what happens. Yep, you have that ability to make that call. So that's on Jason, in my opinion. I mean, maybe you called the wrong play or whatever on the run, but he should have said, "We run the football here." Would you guys consider the possibility because I? This offense overall this season, part of it's been Zeke. Part of it was not Zeke because they were having issues offensively before Zeke went out uh, at the beginning of the season. Do you think maybe there's a possibility or there should be a possibility that Jason Garrett goes back to calling plays for this team? I thought you were going to say that. I um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't if I – I mean, you guys – correct me if I'm wrong. You guys have said that you're not the biggest fans of his game day management yes. of what's going on. So if if he's not great at that, then why not have him call plays? Because that would be the purpose of taking play calling from him so he could focus on that. If he's not great at it, then what is he great at? I thought he was a pretty good offensive no, see, coordinator. I I dis well, I disagree with that because okay. like taking play calling away from him. I mean, sure, that's something he's got to worry about on game day, but that's a whole thing during the week he's got to worry about too. I True, mean, he's got to put. But there 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 are, t- there are times when I'm sure there are head coaches that call plays that they have someone else who manages the coordination of all that throughout the week, and then he calls plays on Sunday. I, well, I I don't like that either. Nope. I mean, no, I mean you're putting the game plan together. That's this thing that you've spent all week on. That's you. You mean to tell me you don't think Jason's involved in in setting putting together the offensive game plan? No, but to like to just have him, you know, to just have him not even paying attention to it from Monday to Saturday. No, that's, then, but, but I don't think that happens now. I no. think he's very much involved in. it. Of course he guess. is. But that I think Jason Garrett's strength as a coach is from Monday to Saturday. And I think not being the primary play caller frees him up to focus on all of that type of stuff during gotcha. the week. I, I can yeah. hear people but- screaming at me that he's terrible <laughs> at everything right now. I'm just telling Well, that's fans right now. No, They're not happy with him. I know. But I think his strength as a coach, I, I think he's been a better head coach. What? He stopped calling plays in 2014? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's been a better overall head coach in the years that he hasn't been doing that, I think. I wasn't I was only here for one year when he was calling plays, but hey, really? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I but I think I I think it it's more suited toward his he he's like a college coach to me. Like he he is he sets up the message and he's really good at getting people to listen to it and buy it. Recruiting too. He does a great job recruiting. I don't know if he'd be very good at that, but um I I think it's better off without him calling the plays. Yep. I so well, he's never been. I mean, I guess as a head coach calling the play, they were eight and eight every time, right? <laughs> guess you got a point there. Yeah, I'm just saying. Well, but and, I, and then when he was, but an as offensive, an offensive, I give him credit for the years he was an offensive coordinator when Wade was here as well, right? Tito. But see, yeah, I understand okay. that. But they got, they got talent now too. Let's not act like this is a talent. A, a talentless team. They but got again, talent on this offense. But again, they, that's been a ton of money. That's a job where all you—that's his only responsibility—is putting together, putting together the game plan and calling the plays. Like if you wanted him to be the offensive coordinator, that's fine. I don't know that he would take that demotion. But if he's going to be the head coach, I don't think he needs to be doing. You don't think all both? That. No, I don't. No. I How many coaches in the NFL do all of that? What, maybe two or three. Yeah. 
Kevin. <laughs> I've had plenty of different thoughts. In Jump my head. in. Come no, on, we double dutch. Keep them related to the cowboy. You know, <laughs> I keep thinking, and it's hard for me, to, obviously, to say about him calling plays and all that because I wasn't here. I didn't know anything about that before when that happened. But as a boss, because he's essentially the boss of all of them. If you're a boss, you hope you can trust the team around you to do their job, the guys you have working for with you to do their own job. But if you're not doing your job as a good boss, you step in however you can, help that person, figure it out, because at this point, obviously, during the season, you can't make that kind of change. So you become more involved. And we've mm -hmm. seen game after game all the mistakes that they've been making. How haven't they been able to figure all that out and improve on it? Because if had we been seeing some improvement, I would be feeling better about it, but we haven't. That's a and really great point. I, I think that's a really great point, mainly because it when you see, like like you said, when you see problems on your team, then you got to step in and maybe pay a little bit more attention to this area of the team that's having issues. And it seems like the offense has been consistently having some poor games, and there's been you know guys that are having just uncharacteristically bad seasons. I put Dez in that category. I don't think I don't think anybody can say Dez has had a normal season for him. And and so what do you do? Is there a way that a coach can maybe spend a little more time with him? Spend a more a little more time with the wide receivers. Spend a little more time in between the quarterbacks and the wide receivers because you think that the passing game isn't doing what you need it to do. We don't know if they don't And, do and my question is and, and that would be the question. If he did, then it didn't work. Yeah. If he didn't, then he didn't right and he should have right so either way it didn't come out good he did he wasn't able to supply for that part of the team maybe what they but needed we've seen it goes beyond the talent on the field we've seen that okay yes they do have issues with certain players on the field and there needs to be some changes there but we've also seen that it's it goes way far beyond just the guys that are playing out there all right let's take our first break when we come back i do have a couple of questions for you guys on some specific players des bryant being one of them and also Tyron Smith, he was only able to play the first series of that game and then had to leave the game again. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about those two guys when we come back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. It can be hard to find the right resource for learning about important financial matters. You search how to build savings, you end up reading about the one weird ingredient from supermarkets that can make you taller. That's why Bank of America built BetterMoneyHabits.com, a safe little corner of the Internet for answering your financial questions. Full of simple videos and tips, Better Money Habits can show you how to make the most of your money without resorting to random searches that always seem to lead to unbelievable photos of childhood stars grown up. To learn more, visit BetterMoneyHabits.com. What does it mean to be a Dallas Cowboys fan? It means you've got the passion and the heart to do your part supporting the boys no matter what. That's why when the game's on the line, you're on your feet, whether you're at home or in the stands. Actually, you're more than a fan. You are a member of Cowboys Nation, and so is AT&T, doing their part to keep you connected to America's team all season long. AT&T is a proud member of Cowboys Nation. Ice cold Dr. Pepper and the Dallas Cowboys go way back. They belong together, like Texas in football, silver and blue, shotgun formations and Hail Marys. Having a Cowboys football party without Dr. Pepper is like having Thanksgiving without the Cowboys. Basically, we wouldn't recommend it. So next time you have a tailgate, home gate, or whatever else kind of gate, grab some ice-cold Dr. Pepper for you and your friends to enjoy. It's a Dallas Cowboys tradition. Dr. Pepper, the one you crave. 
To work this big land, you need equipment with values rooted as deep in Texas soil as you are. Like John Deere compact tractors with a six-year powertrain warranty and big features that help you work less so you have more time to do what you love. John Deere was first in the Texas fields and we're proud to be on the field as the official ag and turf equipment of the Dallas Cowboys. Find Texas-sized deals at myjohndeerdealer.com slash football. Terms, conditions, exclusions, and warranty limitations apply. See dealer for details. To the break. Welcome back. It's the second segment of the break live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We're talking Cowboys and a little bit of Cowboys and Seahawks. Uh, Cowboys again this Sunday will have their final game of the season in Philadelphia against the Eagles. Correct me if I'm wrong. The Eagles have now wrapped up everything yes, they can wrap up. Absolutely. So this game is an exhibition game. Essentially. To play for on either side. Yeah. Which is ironic because we're in the exact same spot we were last year. It's just the teams have flipped. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. The Eagles went... This NFL is a crazy thing. The Eagles went from so far out of it that they didn't have anything to play for, and the Cowboys were in first, and they switched. They swapped places. That's the NFL for that you right there. That is the NFL. Did the Eagles finish last last year? Mm, I think, yeah, because the Giants... Last in the division, the, were they? The Cowboys and Giants went to the playoffs, and the Redskins finished like 8-8, eight and eight, and then the Eagles went... Wow. Yeah. That's the NFL. But the Cowboys aren't in last place. They're in second place. It seems, no, seems yeah. weird. No, as I bad know. a season as it's been that they would be in second place in the division. They've got second place locked up no matter what happens in this yeah. game, too. So, hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it also tells you how bad of a season the Giants had. And I guess to some degree you could say the Redskins as well. But um, it just feels like it's been worse for the There's, Cowboys. That's like four of your wins right there. That's true. Very true. Four of your eight wins against those good teams. That's amazing. You could end, end the season – Five and one in the division, and and the last week of the season, you weren't even in contention for the playoffs. It's amazing. Yep. All right, let's talk a little bit about a couple players. I, there's one guy that I want to talk about a little bit. Uh, Des Bryant. In that game, he had, according to my estimation, two drops, one of them ending up in an interception, um, and then in addition to that, had a fumble. Um, what's the deal with Des? I mean, as I said earlier, I, I don't think anyone can claim that this is a normal season for Des. This was very different than what you who would try seeing him. Now, I'm not saying maybe he would. I don't know. I'm just saying it's it's very different. We've seen a difference in we've seen a different Des this year, and and I think the biggest thing is more than in past years, there have been more balls that have bounced off of his hands and hit the ground than in the past. I've always considered him to be a pretty sure-handed catch, uh, catcher of the ball and a pretty good radius. You put the ball in his area, he's going to come down with it, and that doesn't seem to be the case this season. Is that an indication of what we should expect in the future, or was this just an aberration next year he's back to who he is? No, and it's not even an aberration. Last year, he really wasn't that great either. I mean, they were winning games, but they were winning games without him too, which was the first time we've really seen that. But he was still making some plays, especially in the end zone. He got to the Pro Bowl as an alternate. He got there, but I think his numbers were were down. They were winning games, so you didn't really – there weren't a lot of issues about it. Um, But I think that that this year you're starting to see that – that Dak and and Dez are not that they don't have great chemistry. We know that that's obvious. But I think that it's a, it's a part of it is Dez, part of it is is Dak. I mean, I think that he needs a perfect pass to to make the plays. And but that hasn't always been him. Like that was the thing that was so great about Dez is he could take a pass that wasn't a great pass and turn it into a catch, right? I think when you're talking about up in the air going to make plays, but I don't know if he's never ever been like this great great pass you know catcher just just like balls behind him and stuff like that I mean I, I don't know I don't know what what's the issue 
but it's it's bad and it's about to be real bad when when you when you put a price tag on it, mm. which is gonna be mm. on it this year. This is you know, y'all y'all didn't come in yesterday. I was here working hard. Uh so I, I did come in yesterday. Where were you? I didn't see you. Just because you don't see me doesn't okay, mean I'm not whatever. here. Whatever. You weren't here. I have things. Um I made this point on our show yesterday. What show? You love how he just did that. <laughs> like that absolutely meant nothing to your point. No. That statement no. just meant nothing. That was no, just a dig with a shovel. That's yes, all that it was. hundred percent. It was. Um what show are you talking about? Whatever. Our show that we did yesterday. Our we did a joint show. Oh. Uh, you know, whatever. Oh, cool. Go away. Um, <laughs> Des Bryant last year looked like a great receiver who was playing in an offense that wasn't suited to him. Yes. The Cowboys were that. run heavy. They had a rookie quarterback. Uh, they didn't lean on Des the way that they did in 2014 when he had 16 touchdowns. But I, you can think up a dozen great pl- – I mean, he blew up in the playoffs. He, he had long, big-time gains against the Vikings and the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he did his you know he did his beast mode he on did Xavier some Des and type things right? he did a lot of Des type things in yeah. my opinion he missed three games and still finished with fifty catches for something like eight hundred yards and eight touchdowns like are those great numbers not by any stretch but when you factor in that it's a rookie quarterback and an offense that's leaning heavily on a run game those are pretty good numbers and I don't think you don't look at the price tag and think man we're kind of getting hosed here when you consider his contributions I don't think. You can't even you can't even try to make that claim this year. It's just it's been it's been a night and day difference. Like this isn't a good receiver stuck in a bad offense. This is just a guy who's who's going through some stuff. And on I mean, I haven't talked to him, but he looks like a guy who is well aware of the criticism that is swirling around him. Like it it looks like every time he has a chance to touch the ball, He's trying to do something insane and shut the haters up, and instead it gets him out of just doing the most basic things. Mm-hmm. I mean, how? I mean, you know, like he's so freakishly strong and athletic. Like, I mean, that wasn't even like this amazing play to poke the ball out of there. Like that, that didn't. That he, it literally was just a little poke, and it and it's gone. And then, for you know, the other thing, I'm gonna rant for a minute. I am stunned at the amount of people who put that interception on Dak. Yeah, because it was not. Don't get me wrong; it was not a good throw at all. But I have spent. But it was. I think it was a throw that needed to be made because it was a defender on the other side. I have spent far too many hours watching this guy stand ten yards away from a jugs machine with it cranked up all the way, just catching him like it's nothing. One handed, two handed, behind the back. He's a, he is a good catcher of the ball. I don't know if he's got as amazing hands as uh, DeAndre Hopkins or some some of these other guys. Yeah, that I don't, catch the other night. I don't know if that was ever his strong suit, but to come at me like he he shouldn't be expected to catch a ball slightly behind him with both hands. Are you insane? That's what top caliber NFL receivers are expected. That's what to average do. receivers are expected that, to do in the NFL. That's part of the job. I mean, I know it wasn't a perfectly thrown ball, but if you need a perfectly thrown ball to catch it, then why are you making 10 figures? Like that's just not the way this works. Um, or eight figures, whatever it is. You know what I mean? 10 figures. I think 10 figures wow. is like a billion dollars, yeah, but great. He makes a lot of money to catch the football, and that is a football that you're supposed to catch if that's how much money you're making, in my opinion. And it just, I don't know, I don't know what the root of the problems are, but it just hasn't been there for him basically at every level of the game this year. And that's something that you got to take a hard look at in the offseason. It is. It's going to be, a, I think, a big, that might be one of the biggest questions this offseason on what the Cowboys are going to do in the offseason because it, it does require so much money. As I understand, it's $12 million that they will be on the books to pay him if he's on this team with the current contract that he has. So that's going to be a huge 
point of, of contention, I think, for a lot of fans. Obviously, in the building, there will be different kinds of discussions being had. But I think for fans, that's going to be a really big uh, thing uh, about how do you keep him at that rate or do you try to get him lower or do you have to cut him at some point uh, because he's not willing to take a pay cut and you need to get the the, the amount of money down? You're absolutely he he absolutely will not play at that at that price tag. You you think that's a you're a hundred percent confident of that? I am a hundred percent confident. He that means not play. Do you think for he won't be number. here? Um, I'm not a hundred percent confident of that, but I do think that you're going to have to lower that number. I just I don't see Des believing that he deserves a pay cut like other people might believe he does. Then I, then I would show him 16 games from this year. No, I get that, but but you tell me. I'm just knowing what you know I of know, Dez. I know, I know, I I understand that, but he he will take a pay cut in 2018. There's no doubt about it. He will take a pay cut, whether or not he wears the Cowboys star or somewhere else. But I I just don't think the Cowboys are going to keep that same price tag. So if if the, he won't take it here, that's fine. There's pride. I get it. You say, no, cut me. He'll go to someone else. He'll take the pay cut there, and he'll have a different role. And he might be really great there, whoever wherever it is. You know, he might, he might go to a, another spot where the expectations are not as high, he's not goes the to the Patriots, and he'll be have a resurgence. I'm sure. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, of that's course what they do. Yeah, I mean, but and and I think and I think Des has been great for this team. But what was an issue that I had the other day was he's always been really good in training camp or any practice where he raises the intensity, and then throwing a, a, a sideline rant like that, then to come back out and f- and fumble the football on what was what we you know don't think was a major hit or anything like that that's just it's just a sign of just something is just not there with with him and it's you know it's sad and he's he's doing all this talking and all that and then you know like I have a problem with I have a problem with those players that don't sit and talk in the locker room and it's not because we need a story it's not about that it's that these other guys are doing it and they have they don't have the answers but they try and then, then these guys and these other guys are just quick to get out of there because it's Christmas and I gotta go. It wasn't about Christmas. Well, I, whatever it is, because it happens on it happens the, every time. I mean, October. Whatever it is, it you know, I I think I think that he's he's not being the the leader that you want him to be that on the pay field. him to be. Yeah, that you're paying him to be. Yeah. That's right. So I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. I like this. I really do. I, I like him, but um, you know, he hasn't. He hasn't done the things that, that, like you just said, that they're paying him to do. This is a March conversation, so, I mean, we don't have to get into it right now if you don't want to, but I just I don't think it's as easy as a lot of people want it to be in the aftermath of a disappointing game. Des Bryant and Terrence Williams are on the books for a lot of money, and you can, you can, absolutely, you can get rid of anybody you want to at the end of the day, but they're, they're not easy guys to get rid of in the sense of the money, and they're not easy guys to get rid of in the sense of, okay, cut Des. And then so you're locking yourself into a situation where you either got to spend big money in free agency or spend a big-time draft pick on a receiver. And even then, I mean, so now you're saying, hey, rookie, you're the focal point of our receiving core. I mean, I, I don't think it's as easy as a lot of people want it to be. And that's why I'm not just penciling Des in for a pay cut or getting yeah. released or anything. Like, yeah. I don't think – I think the Cowboys are in a tough spot here. I let really me, do. Let me say one more thing. I don't know if you guys have points on this, but I, I know what I, I just said about Des. But if they – I more than anything, I think they need a different offense in here. They need an offense that's going to that's gonna really tailor things around Dak and maybe Des. If they are going to have a different set – a different play caller or anything in here, then I think that – 
you know, with with that in mind, whoever you brought in, I would say let's keep eighty eight at the forefront of these conversations here. Figure out a way the things that work best for him. So I can see. I don't mean to talk out of both sides of my mouth. I don't think he can play for that number. But if you are going to make a change at offensive coordinator, I would make sure that Dak and Dez are are focal points of whoever this offense is. The other thing to consider in all of this is if you were to somehow get to a point where you said, okay, he's not going to take a pay cut, and we're not going to keep him here for twelve million. If you cut him, I'm not sure how much relief you get because that's the other part of that. Is you say you have to go out now and free agency, free agency, and replace him or spend a draft pick. You may still be paying him a significant amount of money. Maybe it's not twelve million. Maybe it's six million. Maybe it's eight million. I don't know what that number is. But there's going to be some money that's still left on the books for Des Bryant that you're going to be paying for him not to be here. Maybe he's that factors in as well. Maybe he's traded. All I'm saying is, oh, Seattle. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that? (laughs) (laughs) Seattle. I thought that that was awesome. It that was, was awesome. so awesome. Of course, Longhorn awesome. and you. I would love for Earl Thomas to. I, hey, I hate, <laughs> I hate Texas, and I thought it was awesome. It was going to awesome. happen. It was absolutely awesome. I mean, hundred percent. Well, happen. well, it depends. If that time comes when they boot him out, as he says, and he's no longer a good player, then I don't know that it happens at that point. Then it's like you're not getting. Yeah, but hey, Earl Thomas, you're getting Earl he's, Thomas. He's he's 29. He's got a huge salary. He's starting drama in their locker room on a weekly basis. Maybe they they have Seahawks break is having the same talk about him as we are about Des. Maybe some team could use a safety. I'm just gonna say that'd be nice. My main takeaway from all of that is like that's why there are harsh penalties and language for talking about other teams players that are under contract like that's why jerry jones and jason garrett aren't allowed to say yeah, they can't even comment about that because yeah. the minute you put that it's literally player i guarantee you this players say this that type of stuff to each other and to other coaches every week yep like like whether it's his hometown or whether his buddies on that he's just like hey man like you know these guys are going to release me at some point come, come get, get me, me. Come get me right? like that happens every week but to but the media picks up on it once, and it's a firestorm because it's interesting, you know. <laughs> and, like, and that is why those rules are in place is to keep stuff like this from becoming but, this ridiculous. But we story. we know how how AT and T Stadium is lined up. We know the center of the field where all the jersey swap goes on, and then one team <laughs> goes this way, one team goes that way. To get over there, you had to make. You, it. I mean, he he has a hamstring strain probably for running over that quickly to go get Jason Garrett before he gets in the locker room. I'm honestly surprised that he didn't get lost. I get lost at AT&T every week and I go there all the time. Like he he's maneuvering that, that says place a lot like, more about you. Okay, than really. It's I'm a complicated saying. place to get around. He followed the it's players a circle. and he yep. got Jason Garrett. <laughs> it's a circle. I mean, Garrett doesn't spend a lot of time out there. I don't think. I mean, he's not swapping polos with Pete Carroll. <laughs> Now, that would be kind of funny if the coaches kind of started, hey, well, man, can I get that polo? And they're, like, exchanging, taking pictures with each other's polos. I would. Pretty, that would be awesome. Pretty funny. All right, let's talk a little bit about, before we take our final break, about uh, Tyron Smith. He was only able to play one series and then was out of the game uh, due to the injury that he had he sustained a week ago, or really that he'd been playing with for a lot of the season. We don't know which one it was, the knee or the back. The same thing, I guess, to some degree. I'm pretty all sure, injuries. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the knee in, the, the in knee. this case. Okay. But I mean, he's still got all that other stuff. Are you, are you concerned at this point? I mean, this is this is just it's getting to a point where it's, it's so regular for him with these injuries. Are you getting concerned? I'm honest, about the long term. I'm relieved that he couldn't finish that game because Why? because he's human. 
Like I like the fact that he gave it a go and was like, I, I'm too hurt. I'm like, okay, you're the same species as me. Because if he had like just gone out there and played 60 snaps, that would be unreal. Like he sprained his LCL seven days, six and a half days prior to that, on top of the back, on top of the groin. Like it at some point. It's reasonable to be like, you need to rest, dude. It like, almost sounded like a contract clause to me, and I, I don't know this at all. It just sounded like a, if you start 13 games or more this year, you get – I mean, then he's, he plays three plays and he's out, and they don't and they don't sit the eighth, eighth tackle, you know, like they normally do. They made sure they had – Two tackles back. I guess now. that's. I guess that's possible. I feel like we would have heard about something. I know because when Sean Lee did it, it was everywhere. Like Sean that, Lee didn't. Well, do when it. he did, he but didn't. still, yeah. if somebody would have picked up on. Him. I know. I know. I'm not. But, I'm well, not saying it. I talked to him and I talked to him in the locker room, and I, I was like, "How were you even in a spot where you could get into uniform?" And he was like, "I had to. I had to try to give it a go. You do what you got to do, yeah, and yeah. it didn't work out." But and, I, and I'm not implying anything. I don't know that, and I know Tyron Smith is tough as nails. And but after that third play when he was running off, or not running off the field, I remember looking up at the at the at the scoreboard, seeing him kind of trying to get off the field. I was like, "God, this doesn't look good." And I guess he never played again. So yeah, I I mean I get your point. It's a lot of stuff has stacked up for him. He's had the back injuries two years in a row. He, I would be shocked if he plays in Philly. So that's five games in the last two years that he's missed. Um, it's concerning, and I think tackle is something you need to look at, whether it's in free agency or the draft. Like You need to be better equipped to deal with that in the future slash just think about the future of the position. I'm not I'm not ready to like send him off to retirement, Amber. <laughs> I'd He's he's 27 Just years saying. old. I, mean, I don't know. I, I, what are you saying? I don't, you I, guys are giving him. I mean, he is a great player, no doubt, and he definitely has a body that can take a lot. But he is human, like you just said. He absolutely, he absolutely is. And you know, maybe who who knows where it goes from here. But I'm not in a situation where I'm panicking about it. I'm just. I, I talked to him after the game. I was like, dude. Go, go do something like I don't know what what might need to be operated on or what might needs. But like, go do something. He's like a surgery. What I mean, I I agree, but I just I don't know what the issues are in enough detail where I can be like, well, he's got to go get that taken. Like, just go do something. Talk to people, figure out what will do the most for you. Get it done and just rest. And I would like to think that that's enough. I mean, Demarcus Lawrence had to do this two years in a row, and he's been great this year yeah. with full health. So I'm not I'm not panicking that his career is over, but he needs to take better steps toward getting ready for next year than he probably did last year. So yeah. Don't don't go to the Pro Bowl. He's not going to the Pro Bowl. There's no way. <laughs> All right, let's take our final break. We're going to come back. Let's get to some questions. The numbers 214-872-2102. Tell us your opinions on what you saw on Sunday and what you think of this team overall and where they are. We'll do that right when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. Cowboys fans know that the second best of anything simply won't cut it, and your skincare should be no different. A longtime locker room favorite of the players and the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Dallas-based Jack Black, is the number one best-selling men's skincare brand in the country because we make products that help guys look, smell, and feel better. Visit GetJackBlack.com Cowboys to get $10 off your first order of $50 or more. Jack Black. Look good. Smell good. Feel good. Official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys. 
Star Sports Tours is the only official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, offering exclusive game weekend travel packages with sideline access and photo ops with current players, alumni, and cheerleaders. That's not all, though. You'll get to talk X's and O's with Senior Director of Player Personnel Will McClay and, of course, with yours truly, me, Brian Broaddus. You can trust the official fan travel partner of the Dallas Cowboys, and with us, you'll travel like a pro. Visit CowboysTravel.com to book your travel package today. I hear all this talk about what it takes to be a cowboy. Everyone's got their ideas, but I just say to myself, it's what's up top that matters. Sure, you need men with the muscle and heart to get her done, but if your scouts and coaches are listening out there, a word of advice. Pick the man with the most well-worn Stetson. That's the one most cut out to be a cowboy. Stetson hats are handmade right here in Texas and have been on cowboys' heads for over 150 years. The rest of you can visit Stetson.com cowboy to find a retailer nearest you. What does it mean to be a Dallas Cowboys fan? It means you've got the passion and the heart to do your part supporting the boys no matter what. That's why when the game's on the line, you're on your feet, whether you're at home or in the stands. Actually, you're more than a fan. You are a member of Cowboys Nation, and so is AT&T, doing their part to keep you connected to America's team all season long. AT&T is a proud member of Cowboys Nation. To the break. Welcome back. It is the final segment of the break live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Nick, take it away. No, I'm not going to take it away. Just give me a second. I forgot about this. Jeez, Nick, you oh get out of God. doing it for one day and all of a sudden you can't do it anymore. Why don't you read it then? No, because that's your job. No, not you. you know. <laughs> TommyJohn.com. I don't know why you hate my reads. Because you just never know where you're going to go with it, so let's just don't do it. Shop exclusive Cowboys underwear at TommyJohn.com forward slash Cowboys for 20% off your first order. TommyJohn.com forward slash Cowboys. Seems like kind of a double standard, doesn't it? Yeah, I was about like, to say. You don't know where Nick's reads are going to go. He brought up the South Pole last week. Oh, yeah. That was uncomfortable. Well, I think actually. Yeah, the, very the, Actually, it's not uncomfortable. That's Tommy John. It is very comfortable. And when I read it, I speak from experience, and I think they can read it too. I don't think you speak from experience south pole is pretty about... down there do you know your geography very oh. well i mean okay. that's pretty low <laughs> i would go with like central america or like you know the caribbean but caribbean, caribbean. <laughs> <El> like <Caribe. laughs> yeah i did get tommy john for christmas this year i saw your I'm tweet very excited i saw your tweet very excited that's gonna be great sweet i'm almost ready to have a complete <laughs> overhaul so that's impressive. Close. That's, That's impressive. very nice. All right, let's uh, let's get some questions rolling here. You guys give us a call. Numbers 214-872-2102. Again, 214-872-2102 is the number. Let's take a call first from Lorenzo in North Carolina. Lorenzo, what up? Hey, how y'all doing? Good, how are you? Good. Hey, I'm going to try to get this out. Please bear with me. Okay, I think our problem, well, I know our problem is Jason Garrett. Here's the reason why. Um, we're having the same discussions about um, Des Bryant, as we had about T.O., just like we said earlier, Scott Linehan, he got praise, he got Megatron the ball. He come here, our offense never looked like Detroit's offense. It looked like Cowboys' offense. You remember Jason Garrett? He was real mad about giving up play calling because he wanted somebody that was not going to change the system that was going to do what he wanted to do, and I think he's very much involved. You remember back when Tashar Choice was playing against, you know, we were playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was dominating the run game. We, we was up by five. Needed one first down. First and two. What do he do? He get the ball to Terrell Owens coming out the backfield. Kind of the same thing that we're seeing throughout 
defense that he's been coached. Um, offensive coordinator 2007, great season. But he also had a little help with, with, with Sperano in here. After that year, mm, we kind of tailored off. And just like last year, everything's new. Nobody expected that. Nobody knew what to expect. We did pretty good. People get wind of him, and then it's like he, he can't adapt. You remember, y'all, I heard y'all talk about it all the time. Why not dance in the slot? He made a play this game. See what he did in the slot? Then the rest of the game and the next game, you don't see him in the slot. You don't – I mean, if if he can't run the route tree, get some teachers in here that, that can do it. But I think we need to change our philosophy on offense because it just seems like when we, we're the type of team that if our man beats your man, we look great. If our man is not beating your man, then we have no way to innovate some type of scheme to get that player the ball All right. or to get that – person some help we appreciate and, the call and, and i just want y'all to talk about that okay there's a lot to unpack oh, there and some of it i agree with some of it i disagree with but go ahead well a lot of that i don't know what to do with but like that last statement like if you had just summed it yes. all up with that i'm like yeah it's pretty I'm good on that. yeah if if the cowboys are beating their guys head up they look pretty good and if they're if they're struggling with that they probably won't look very good and right. Lay that wherever you want to lay it. Is that the head coach? Is that the offensive coordinator? Is that the players for not winning their matchups? Probably a little bit of all of that. But I I agree with that basic summary. I don't. I mean, I wasn't here for Tashard Choice and To. I'm sorry, but yeah, I, the the game that Tashard Choice was dominating. I don't I don't recall that one <laughs> ever, ever 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 ever. I do remember some kind of run To trying to be cute. But yeah, yeah, that doesn't always work. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's just that's which that's just a passionate fan. Wait, I admire anybody who can work up the energy to basically be yelling at ten o'clock in the you know, like I'm not there. I'm yeah. I never am. Ever. But, yeah. but like if I was gonna do that, I would need it to be like I need to afternoon, like after I've had some coffee and that that was impressive. Um no, Des doesn't get Megatron type looks in this offense. But like I that would be a mistake anyway. Like this is yeah. a run oriented offense. That's why you drafted all these linemen and drafted this running back. I mean, that's not the way it should look. Like if you were throwing to Des eighteen times a game when you've got Zeke and all these offensive linemen, I think that would be a mistake too. The problem is they just don't maximize the looks they give any of their receivers, really, at least not this year. Yeah, I, I think that's a little bit unfair to say it doesn't look like the Detroit offense because, quite frankly, I don't think you want him to come in here and do the the Detroit. You didn't want anyone to bring the Detroit offense. Detroit hasn't had a 100-yard rusher in like right. three years. Yeah, so. and, and it wasn't like even with whatever they did at that time, they weren't winning a heck of a lot of games. It was still doing yeah. Detroit Lion type things. So <laughs> I, I don't no no, but seriously, like I don't think I don't think the idea in bringing him in here was say take what you're doing in Detroit and do it here. I think the idea was you're a good play caller. You've shown you can be a good play caller because guess what? This guy's had a long career. It wasn't just with the Detroit Lions. Yeah, you, you've shown you can be a good uh, good play caller. We'd like you to come here and, and call plays for our team. Here's what we have as far as personnel. Do what you can with it. And and so I think. That last year, and this is the part that becomes a little bit frustrating, I think, probably for the coaches if they listen to all the noise, um, is that nobody was complaining about these things last year. Last year, it was called very well. I mean, they had a really good – the way they ran this offense last year was, in my opinion, masterful at times. Um, so I, I think you have to kind of give them credit for that and say that this year maybe it wasn't what you what you wanted. And certainly the league seems to have caught up with them to some degree because even when Zeke was here earlier in the season, 
they weren't playing great. The offense wasn't clicking great um, in a lot of games early in the season. So for whatever reason, it didn't work this year. But last year it did. So I think, and Nick, this is something you said, I think you said it in the break, I think that there is a real possibility, and fans need to start getting themselves ready for this. There's a real possibility that these same coordinators are going to be back next year, and they'll be calling, and maybe they adjust and do something a little bit different, but they'll be back next year to probably call this offense and call this defense. Well, I didn't say that, and I don't believe that. Actually. You don't? Oh, okay. No. So, Was that um, you saying that? I thought somebody said I that. I mean, right. just there's been talk around the building. This is what people think, but I don't believe that. Okay. No, I believe that there will be a change, I, and I think that if you listen to what uh, Jerry Jones said, um, I, I should have the direct quote in front of me, uh, but he said it after the game. He talked about the, you know, that he's he's been around a, a long time and he's seen a lot of quarterback. I mean, uh, coordinators and and head coaches, and uh, I don't see in, a reason to change our head coach. And he said it right after he said coordinators and head coach, and then he said something about the head coach. And this is one of those typical things. You don't listen to what Jerry says. You listen to what Jerry doesn't say. Well, yeah, you just kind of read between the lines there. I, I think you got to – and I think you do need to make some changes there. If there's, That's typically – Both coordinators or just one of them? I'd change them both, actually. I think I would. I'd change both of them. But, see, it's hard to compare it. <clears throat> Sorry. It's hard to compare it to last year because – Yes, they did have a great year, a great season. But then again, they had two new players that came in full of energy, came in to change the whole dynamic of the team, and that nobody else knew what to expect. So now it goes back to the whole adjustment thing. Okay, now other teams had a full season to evaluate these players, figure out how they work. Now they got it figured out. But then the Cowboys are still doing or trying to do the same thing over and over. You know, and not having them themselves making those changes. Okay, they figured this out. How do we trick them? Or how do we change things up a little bit to give them a little confusion? So, I don't know. You guys have been here way longer to figure out year by year what is the, like, yeah. I don't know. Because then a good game happens, and then that kind of tends to wipe off the surface a little bit. But then what's the core of this team? Looking year after year since Garrett has been here and since the offensive coordinator has been here, what are the things that just kind of tend to happen more often rather than those once in a while great games? The the culture here has, and it's not, not just with Garrett, and it's been here with Bill Parcells and Wade Phillips. I mean, I think it goes back to maybe – in the mid '90s, that, that they've went, they've gone to the playoffs in consecutive years. Maybe I'm, I'm or oh six, oh six, oh seven. I think I think the stat was ten, ten wins, um, in a season. It goes back that far, but um, I mean, you know, in the last, even the last decade, when they make the playoffs and the expectations are high the next year, and this team hasn't hasn't been able to to capture that. So, and and, and they, you can say this, they haven't had consecutive playoff runs in 20 uh 20 years uh since with the same coach mm-hmm. you know i mean not not since barry switzer did it in 94 or, or 95 and 96 have you had the same coach come in and have consecutive years to go to the playoffs and uh, go, i want to make that one point true. that isn't true gailey did it twice yeah. i want to make one point though based on what amber was talking about i do think though there's a possibility that this coaching staff and i, I do think garrett falls in this category and this goes back many like a long time we're talking back to Vince Lombardi days there are certain certain coaches and certain philosophies that are we believe that 
if we do what we're supposed to do, we will do it better than you can stop us. And so we're going to do what we do. Scheming is not really a part of, that's not really what we do. What we do is we know what we do well. We're going to do that regardless of whether you, whatever, whatever you do, we're going to be able to do that well. And we believe we're going to be able to do that well. So we're going to stick to what we do. And I do believe that maybe that's a part of the philosophy here. And that's why when you say they didn't, they didn't change it going into this year. You gonna take I, it? I do believe that maybe part of that is because they came into the year believing again in their philosophy, which worked for them last year, which is we're going to do what we do well, and we don't care what you do. We're going to do what we do well, and we think that's good enough to get us wins. Stay with the BlackBerry. Do I? Just say Stay like, with the BlackBerry? Stay with the BlackBerry or the Razor. And I'm not saying, like, I'm not no. saying it's right. I'm not saying it's right, good. but this is something that goes back again. There, this is a coaching philosophy that's been around a long time. No, that, and then the 90s Cowboys were, they were the I, same way. They had what they did well, and they continued to and do you it know what? over that, and over and over. That makes sense because Garrett loves to identify himself as an old school guy. So why don't you run the ball? Yeah, I know, I know, I know. It doesn't go, it goes against doesn't make any everything sense. that, that, you would expect them to be able to do in that situation. I mean, Garrett, I, I give him credit for this, and I remember it was in it was at the uh, combine when he was saying that you know they want to be like the 49ers and and who had drafted a lot of offensive linemen in the first round, and we want to get that that style and, and kind of built that team. And he built, I won't say he built it, but I mean that was what he wanted to have, and he's got it, and it's working, and and it's working in this game, and so it just still goes back to it. So it's like you're right; they are hard headed and stubborn when it comes to that, but then, and then they just then they get it, cute, right. and yeah. not enough, not hard headed enough. I know, I don't know. God, and more than anything, <laughs> I mean, not not just run the ball, but with all the stuff that's happened and what had, what your running back had gone through. He deserved the opportunity to get that football and get into the. Are they going to stop him? If I lose, if get I the lose, end zone. You hadn't been in there in six weeks. Yeah, go score a yeah. touchdown. If I'm the Cowboys the and I lose that game because I ran the ball too much, I'm okay with that. I don't want to lose the ball, lose the game, getting cute. If I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose doing what I do well. Mm-hmm. And that's why I had a big problem with that is the best thing you do, the thing that you thought you had lost for six weeks, that was the reason why you were against the ropes and having to have other teams win, which, by the way, a lot of them were doing that for you and getting you right back into the picture was because you lost this guy for six weeks. You get him back, I am running him until his tongue is on the ground. Like, I am I am running and running and running. And they did it earlier in the game, and it was successful. That's the part that's so baffling. It made sense for them to continue to do it, and they didn't. Seattle, who, who does Seattle play this week? Arizona. No, San Francisco. Seattle's going to make the playoffs. Say again? I think Seattle's going to make the playoffs. I don't know. San that Francisco's guy, on a guy, roll now. That guy Jimmy G is going to beat true. him. San Francisco is on a roll. That's true. They're playing well. But they absolutely could. I mean, Atlanta's got to beat a good Carolina team. And that I love what the NFL did by not flexing a game. I agree, too. To yeah. improve the drama with all of that. So should be... An interesting what, what Sunday was the night game that they moved to. There, there's they no have night game on Week 17. They usually flex one, but they decided not to because, because of, in order for all those games to be dramatic, they need to be happening at the same time. Yep. And for competitive balance too, because what you didn't want is you didn't want to get to that game, and now one of those teams is in a situation where um, they need something. Uh, they everything that they needed to happen 
happen and one right one can play for it and the other one doesn't and it affects other games right yeah, it affects what, other teams getting that's in. what i was thinking might happen if the cowboys did win the game they're playing philly and then you wonder oh, oh i bet carolina I, has nothing to play for because they can't win the division there you go right they wouldn't they would have flexed us if we had won i bet you i I'm, bet i'm starting to believe they would have taken the gamble so basically you would have needed carolina to beat atlanta in order for the cowboys game to mean anything and i think they would have taken that gamble and just been like I well if we if we're wrong, this will still be a well-rated game because it's the Cowboys. And if we're right, then this will be a bonanza because yep. it's a holiday and the Cowboys are playing for a chance to get into the playoffs. I agree. With that. I think they looked at it and said just the opposite of that. Like with the Cowboys out and the teams that actually have relevant games, we do better having those games all played at the same time from a rating standpoint than pushing right. one of the night and risking that it means nothing. And then trying to get people to sit down. You you talked about this the other day when the college football playoff did this a few years ago and did games on on they New Year's Eve. Tanked. It tanked, and so you you now put a bad matchup on a New Year's Eve night. It makes it really really tough. Go out and party, you know. watch Cooper Rush. Right. So I think I think all things considered, I agree with you, David. The Cowboys would have been still in it. They probably would have flexed it. So but they aren't. They are not. And so we'll be back at nine. <laughs> NFC, yeah. Hey, it'll be, it'll be dramatic in half the cities in the NFC, but yeah. not Philadelphia. Yep. All right, we appreciate you guys joining us. We're back tomorrow. We're going to give you a uh, scouting report uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles, I think. That may take a few minutes. And then we'll try to get to some questions. Hopefully you guys can uh, can join us and uh, and talk a little bit about your favorite team, the Dallas Cowboys. We'll be back back tomorrow for Nick Eatman, Dave Hellman, Amber Garcia. I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com. Radio this has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!